you have your Bibles, open up with me to Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm. Most of you have probably heard this Psalm at some point before. It's one of the most famous Psalms in the Bible. If you don't have your own copy of the Scriptures this morning, that's okay. We'll have it on the screen, but also you can open up to page 631 in the Pew Bible there in front of you. 631 in the Pew Bible. I'm going to get my water out of the cabinet here, just in case I need it today. As you're opening up there to the 23rd Psalm, I want to say what a joy it is to have each and every one of you here, and what a joy it is to be journeying through the Psalms together. And as we come to a passage that's so familiar, my hope and my prayer is that God will apply it to your own hearts in fresh ways today. If you're open up there, I'm going to ask you if you would, please stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. David writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God Himself is speaking to you. Beginning in verse 1, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. O Lord our God, would you open our hearts and minds today to receive your word. And God, we ask that we would be changed by it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Over half, over half, over 50% of Americans, Arthur Brooks tells us in the New York Times, based on a recent survey, over half of Americans say they sometimes or always feel lonely or left out. Over half of Americans say they sometimes or always feel lonely or left out. And I would argue that all of us, maybe even if it's not sometimes or always, uh, frequently, but all of us at some level or another have been there. We've all at some point in our lives felt lonely or left out. Sometimes as adults, I think, we look back on some of the foolish things we did in the past to feel included. Some, some of the things we did to try to, to make ourselves seem cool. Most of us love to go back and look at our hairstyles from high school and middle school to see the great lengths we went to to be a part of the crowd, right? We, we think back and look back on the foolish things we did in the past to feel included. But at the same time, I, I think even into adulthood, those same insecurities that we have as children plague us as adults. I had a friend one time tell me, he said, you know, all of life is high school. All of life is high school. It never really ends. It just feels like it's always people trying to impress one another for reasons we don't really know. We don't really understand why. Most people I know never get over a desire to be known 
to be understood, to be included, to be cared for, to be loved. And you know, on top of all this, on top of our sort of natural insecurities that we all have, we live in an age in which these things are magnified, I would argue, especially for those of us who spend any sort of modicum of time at all on social media. I'd go back and Whitney and I sometimes will go back and look at old pictures on Instagram. Everybody looks perfect and happy. And I'm like, you know what? That day was not perfect and happy. Pretty sure we yelled at each other that day. Uh, you know, some, a kid ruined their outfit by going to the bathroom in it. You know, some, it, it's never perfect as it seems online. But, but we are trying to put forward this, this sort of REM, shiny, happy people holding hands kind of thing to the world around us. We're trying to project that everything's okay. When we all know, deep down inside, though many of us are well-adjusted and doing well, at the end of the day, nothing is perfect. Nothing is necessarily as it seems. And I would guess that for some folks, these feelings are magnified even more. They're exacerbated even to a higher level when you stop and you think about God. And for some of you, perhaps, it reaches a fever pitch. It's highest frustration level for you when you go to church when you're sitting in church perhaps some of you have felt rejected or mistreated by the church in the past perhaps you had a a parent who talked the talk but didn't walk the walk and made it seem like God was angry with you all the time perhaps you were raised in such a way or have been come to think in such a way that God is to you someone who could never be pleased who could never accept you who could never love you. And perhaps from the people in your life to the God that you wish you knew, that's how you feel. Nothing's ever good enough. This morning, though, I, I want to see you, I want you to see that God is the God of the staff and the table. God is the God of the staff and the table. He is your shepherd and He is your friend. And I want to show you three truths this morning to help you see what it means for you to walk with the shepherd and to walk with your friend. Here's the first point this morning. First thing I want you to see in this text is this. The shepherd cares for you. The shepherd cares for you. The Lord, David tells us, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. That's a tall order, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, some of y'all are sitting there thinking, I'd like not to want. But I find myself wanting all the time. Any of y'all find yourself wanting all the time? Our kids love. They love. In fact, at one point in their lives, it verged on an addiction until we had an intervention. They love to watch videos on YouTube. Anybody else notice this? Anybody else, kids? Anybody else? Okay, with you're with me here. And uh, I'll tell you what they love to watch. It was just videos of other kids opening toys. And, and I realized they, 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 they were just, we were creating little coveters. They're never happy. I could have gone and bought Walmart out, right? And we get back in the car, and Ford says, all right, time to go to Target. You know, we got we to go do more. we got to find something else. We need more. There are little kids right now becoming millionaires on YouTube 
through YouTube because our kids are watching them open toys. It's hard not to want. We're hardwired to want things. Not just to need, but to want, to desire, to, to have that which we don't have. But the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That is, there's a truth here, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I have no wants. He provides what I need. And so the shepherd cares for you through his provision, through giving you what you need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. These green pastures that the shepherd leads his sheep to are a place of provision. These still waters are a place of provision. He's giving them what they need. He's giving them what they need. Now, for some of us, this statement we need to write on a piece of paper and stick it on our bathroom mirror. I know I do. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We need to be reminded that God's provided us with more than we realize. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever found a situation where satisfaction came from something outside you? Have you ever wanted something really badly and got it and that was enough? I, I never have. I never have. You know, you, you, even when you're a child, you save up for one big thing and you buy it and then you're like, I'm out of money and I can't buy anything else and this is miserable. You finally... Finally, save up for that big vacation, go on that big vacation. If we could just travel like those people travel, we'd probably be happy too. If we could just own a home like those people own, we would probably be happy too. And you get it, or you go, and what do you do immediately? Start planning the next vacation. Start saving up for a renovation. It's not wrong to enjoy the world God's given us, but the reality is that we want stuff, and stuff is not what's going to fix it. In other words, we need an attitude adjustment from the Lord. We need our perspective to change. And so the more we focus on this reality, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He's given me what I need. He won't give you everything you want, but he'll give you what you need. Paul said in Philippians that in plenty or in little, he's come to, to believe and trust God in all situations. And he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, everybody here wants to, you know, write that on their cleats or something like that. It's talking about being out and doing whatever. And that's a good thing, good way to use that verse. But at the end of the day, what it means is whether I'm poor, whether I'm rich, whether I'm in jail, whether I'm freely preaching the gospel, no matter what situation I've got in my life, God is enough. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength I need. The Lord is my shepherd. He has led me in provision. I shall not want. But God has also given us rest. Rest. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Any of you guys have a stormy heart right now? I've been there in my life plenty of times. Trials, worries, temptations, all these things. Anybody just, just tired? We've all been tired of the rain, and now we can take that off our list. Now we're tired of the wind. I've got curly hair. Rain and wind just doesn't work well. Curly hair. 
He restores my soul. Perhaps you're tired. Perhaps you're trying and you just feel like you're not getting traction anywhere in your life. I've been through a period of my life as a pastor, and I would tell my wife, I'd come home, and I would say, you know, everything I do, I feel guilty. I feel guilty everywhere I go. When I'm at work, I feel like I ought to be loving y'all better. When I'm loving y'all well, I feel like I ought to be serving the Lord's church more. When I'm not at the gym, I feel like I ought to be at the gym. I get to the gym, and I think, man, I ought to be getting ready to preach. Everything I do, everything I do sometimes, you feel guilty. Have you ever been there where you feel like you're just sort of running the race and can't quite get traction? God offers rest. The shepherd offers rest. He restores my soul. He gives us care through provision. He gives us care through rest. He gives us care through grace. Listen to the, 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 the sentences that David uses here. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Some of us can't get it right because we're sinners, and we're not supposed to be able to get it right in our own strength and in our flesh. But God will lead us in these paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We must follow the shepherd. We must be recipients of his grace. If you want to know God's care, if you want to know the shepherd's care, you must know his grace. It's not something we earn. Some of us are tired, and some of us are coveting other things. Because we believe deep down inside that for God to love us and for God to care for us, we need to do something. That we need to do something. And, and, and perhaps you heard that uh, in church. Perhaps you heard that from your own family. Perhaps you were raised feeling like you needed to earn, earn love and earn care. But brothers and sisters, there is not a thing in this world that you could do. Not a single thing in this world that you could do to make God love you less or to make God love you more. God is love, and there's nothing you can do for it. We must simply walk in His grace. We must trust Him to lead us where we're going by faith. We must trust Him for His grace. The shepherd cares for you. So maybe you feel lonely, and maybe you feel left out. Maybe you feel like you've gotten the short stick in this life. But I want you to know that God offers you, by His grace, through faith and trust in Him, He offers you provision, and He offers you rest through the Lord Jesus Christ, through that good shepherd, as Nathan read to us earlier. The shepherd, brothers and sisters, cares for you. But I want you to know something else. The shepherd sustains you in trials the shepherd sustains you in trials i i want to just focus in for just a moment on verse four get your magnifying glass out let's let's get real close in on verse four even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil why for you are with me your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When I was a little boy, uh, my job, now I'm from Boaz, so I don't want y'all to judge me for, for this story. My job when I was a little boy was to take the scraps out to the field after supper. It sounds like we lived on a little house on the prairie, but that's not the case. <laughs> wasn't a garbage disposal. I was the garbage disposal. And so 
Mom and dad would tell me to go take the scraps out. Matt, go take the scraps out. Sometimes, you know, if it's a lot of scraps, you got to take the scraps to the holler, but usually just to the field. So um, anyway, I would go, but it would be dark outside, obviously, at this point in time. And so I can remember uh, asking my dad, Dad, would you please stand on the porch while I take the scraps out so that when I come back, I know, I know you've been watching me the whole time. Might be a coyote out here. Who knows? Who knows what could be out there in the fields and hollers of Double Bridges, Alabama? You know, who knows what could be out there? So, so Dad, can you wait on me? And um, I'm not a very fast man, but if I ever heard that door shut, buddy, I would move back to the house. Because here's the reality. Just the presence of my dad. Now, now looking back on it, now that I'm a dad, I realize I defeated the whole point of me having to take the scraps out point was for them not to have to go outside I was just being used this wasn't some character building exercise and so to have to come out on the porch at all you know was a uh, just defeating the whole point what's the reality though in the dark when you're scared when you're little it means something for dad to be close it means something to know your dad is there means something to know that there's someone there to protect you, to sustain you, to comfort you if something does go wrong. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. I will fear no evil. It's God's very presence that eradicates fear in our lives as Christians even though we might walk through the worst circumstances possible. There's a little, I, I share this with you all, all the time, but this is just a little, little, little um, exercise we'll do in our house from time to time when we're worried. Any of y'all ever worry? Anybody ever worry? I've been worried. Here's what we do. We say, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? It's going to sound morbid at first, but we're going to get somewhere good. So we'll just talk about the worst possible scenarios. We just go as deep into the worry as we possibly can, right? This could happen, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. And usually it ends somewhere around dying. You know, yeah, this worst case scenario is they, you know, you mess up real bad as the pastor, they drag you out on the steps and stone you. And that's the worst, worst case scenario. Please don't do that, but you get what I mean. Here's what the Bible says. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though we walk through death itself, God is with us in the worst possible circumstances in our lives. God is with us. And so when we get to the worst possible circumstances, what Whitney and I will do is we'll look at each other and we'll say, will that matter in a trillion years when Jesus has made everything right? And the answer to that always is no. There's nothing wrong in this life that God can't undo. And so as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when we walk through any trial there may be, we can trust God and we can trust His presence. And brothers and sisters, beyond just that, we have an even more sure hope because the one to whom we belong, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, the Good Shepherd Himself, He Himself walked through the valley of the shadow of death. He walked to the cross. He died on our behalf. And God did not, the psalmist says in another psalm, abandon his soul to Sheol, but instead he raised him up in glory and power. And brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ, you can know for certain that no matter what trial you go through, Jesus has been through worse, and God gave him glory and power and honor on the other side. 
no matter how bad things are in this life, we have a resurrection to look forward to. One day, all the hills and all the valleys will clap their hands in praise to God. There will no longer be a valley of a shadow of death. There will no longer be darkness to fear. He sustains us. He protects us with His rod and with His staff. They comfort Him. He guides with His staff and He is able to fight off bad guys or wolves or whatever else, predators with His rod. But on top of that, He comforts us in the middle of trials. We trust God because His presence is a personal comfort to us. I did a funeral last week. Unfortunately, uh, this time of year, it's just a lot of funerals. And every time I pray for a family who's just lost a loved one, I pray, God, by your gospel, would you comfort these people during this time? Would you wrap your arms of love around them? Would you send Jesus to be like Jonathan to David in their hearts and lives? Would you comfort us? Brothers and sisters, in a trial, God will sustain you. He will protect you. He will comfort you. But I want you to know something else. Not only does the shepherd care for you, and not, not only does the shepherd sustain you in trials, but I've got great news this morning for you as well. The shepherd is your friend. The shepherd is your friend. Let's look here at verses 5 and 6 as we consider the hospitality of God. The hospitality of God. Have any of you ever been invited into someone's home or going to a restaurant with someone and been treated to a meal? Isn't that a wonderful blessing when that happens? Isn't it wonderful for somebody to, to treat you well? to love you well, to invite you in. I'm, I'm looking around the room right now and see the faces of people who've had us into their home and, and who have fed us well. Ann Bourne's up in the balcony. I love it when Ann has me over for gumbo. And Ann, it's just about Mardi Gras, okay? And so I feel like it's getting real close to gumbo season just in case. I just wanted you to know. Okay, just making sure we're on the same page. What a joy it is, though, to sit at the Bourne's table or to sit at your tables and to enjoy a meal together. Some of you have been homemakers for your whole lives, and you've spread a lot of tables out before people. Hospitality is the work of God. So, some, some of you this morning have been greeted well by God's people, and, and some of you uh, who are members here knew that we would have guests today and wanted to make sure that, that they felt at home and felt welcome, and I hope all of you who are guests here today did. And, and we do that because God has been hospitable to us. What does the Bible say? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God invites us to his table. The Bible says you anoint my head with oil. God treats you like a treasured guest. That's, that's like the modern day equivalent of, of a VIP pass. This is just a way to set apart a guest as a treasured and honored guest. God treats you well. He loves you. He's your friend. He treats you like his treasured guest. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Any of y'all ever get impatient in a restaurant when they don't refill your drink? I know you do. You can confess. It's okay. Bring it into the light. 
God says, at his table, your cup overflows. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That is, as a believer, if you're trusting God in faith, if you're the friend of the shepherd, he is your friend every your whole life, no matter what may happen to you in your life, somewhere in it is God's grace and God's mercy. God's love is designed in everything he does. The Bible says some of you may be in a trial right now, and it may be that God is actually drawing you nearer to himself through that. The Bible says God disciplines those he loves. Suffering is no sign of the absence of God. In fact, biblically, oftentimes suffering is a better sign of the presence of God than things going well. He's treating you no differently than he treated his very own son in whom he is well pleased. Because through suffering, he's conforming you into his image. God shows you his goodness and God shows you his mercy. And David says, it will follow me all the days of my life. And then what does he say? And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's kind of an ironic verse that David's writing here because David wanted to build the Lord's house. David wanted to build the temple in Jerusalem, what they would have called the house of God, where God's presence was where his people would meet him in his presence but God didn't allow David to do that but David's recognizing that any temple he would build here on earth any house of the Lord he would build here on earth would be but a shadow of that house of the Lord in which he would dwell forever it would just be a picture of the holy of holies in heaven itself it would just be an image of what it means for God's people to dwell in his presence forever and ever and ever for God's glory to cover the earth like the water covers the seas, and for the knowledge of God to cover the earth like the water covers the seas. You see, brothers and sisters, David is testifying here through this psalm that God will be his friend forever. Forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Benjamin Franklin said, fish and house guests stink after three days. But God's inviting you into his house forever forever how and why he's doing it through the good shepherd his son who walked through the valley of the shadow of death on our behalf and emerged victorious on the other side and is now inviting us into his kingdom where we can be a a part of his people forever and ever and ever and why is God doing that because he loves us through his son and he wants to show us his mercy and his grace not just for the days the rest of the days of our life but in his kingdom world without end he wants to demonstrate to us his love and his mercy and his grace brothers and sisters i want you to know today you can know god as both shepherd and as friend if you would put your faith in him through the lord jesus christ I want you to know today, if you're tired, if you're lonely, if you feel left out, if you feel like things just aren't going your way, all those things won't be perfected if you put your faith in Jesus. But I can promise you this, you can find a friend, you can find a leader, you can find a home, if that's what you want. That's always and only through the grace that God gives us through the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you want to put your trust and faith in Jesus, you're welcome to come to this altar today. I'd love to pray with you and talk to you about what it means for you to be a Christian. Simply put, 
You turn from your sins in repentance and turn to God in faith through Jesus Christ. And I believe with all my heart He will save you from your sins. Second of all, second of all, you may be a Christian. You may say, Pastor, I, I've just not been walking with the shepherd like I should. This altar is open to you and I'm available for you today. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. You, you don't have to sign up today, but you've just got questions. Or, or you're interested in being a member here at First Baptist. I'm available to you today to talk to you about what it means, what it looks like for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. <clears throat> After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. We thank you for his gospel. And God, we thank you for this opportunity we have to gather today to worship you. Lord, we pray that we would be able to see you as our shepherd and as our friend. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.